Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I have returned. I'm sure everyone was worried there that I was gone for a week. I don't know. Probably no one cared. You guys must have cared. Uh, Matt Perslow and Alex Simmons, uh, are you glad I'm back? You've been yeah. away for one week and you expect that kind of welcome. Um, oh my yeah. God. What, like, so I've nice not been around. I've not been around on the podcast for a while, but if that's the state yeah. of things that have happened while I've been away, then goodness me. Well, I'm sure you you haven't been on there a while, like you said, and I'm sure people are very happy to hear your voice. I would be. Yeah, but I'm not going to make that kind of entrance, am I? <laughs> well, I needed something. I'm bored of just saying hello. Um, what are you doing? I mean, only I went to like Amsterdam for two days. Um, that's what, it. What do you do in normal social situations when you meet people you haven't seen for a couple of weeks? Do you do that sort of grand just gesture? Punch them in the face. Do yeah. you? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, I had some chips and. I had a oh do you know what? I did have a Stroop waffle donut from um a fine artisan Dutch uh, chain called Dunkin' Donuts. Oh. <laughs> uh, wow! I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, do you know what? It was kind of a novelty because I don't really think. Do we have any Dunkin' Donut shops here? I've not seen one. Uh, I think they do exist. I'm sure I've seen someone at a tube station holding a Dunkin'. Mm, maybe it's bag. like well, there's one in London or mm. something. Well, you want to go to Crosstown though, don't you? Really, that's where you actually yeah. want to go. Oh, I saw uh, Hideo Kojima had some Crosstown stuff the other day. Did he? Is he uh, around? He's in London. Not that I'm stalking him on uh, Twitter or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't need to. He, po- he retweets 100 images a day of different people. So, he's, uh, well, obviously, I don't know his whereabouts right now, but he was in Soho. Um, oh, well, there we and go. And you could see there was a, a record shop he was outside of and things like that. So. Oh, he does like his music. That's what I've learned about him. He does. Uh, yeah, I don't know where to go from here. You doing all right? Uh, well, it, it's the end of the world, isn't it? According to all the things we're going to speak about this week. Yes, it's a, a semi-post-apocalypse slash post-post-apocalypse special. Um, we're going, we're venturing off to new worlds, worlds yet unseen, because the PlayStation VR 2 is around the corner. And I've been using one for all of three days. Uh, so I'm now a full expert on everything PlayStation VR 2. Um, but mainly I've been playing Horizon Call of the Mountain, because I have been reviewing that game for iGen.com, you can read that full review on site, you can watch the video, which I can't guarantee won't make you ill, because, you know, I find watching other people's VR gameplay quite a stomach churning, but, you know, you know, that's what it is. Um, are you guys into VR at all? We're not, is anyone? It's it's a curiosity, is the thing, but, but... At this rate, it's a very expensive curiosity. So yeah. I, I would, I was looking through the launch lineup, going, okay, if I borrow the one from work, because let's face it, I'm not going to buy it. Mm. What shall I play? And honestly, I'm drawing a bit of a blank. And I, you know, from what you've mm-hmm. spoken about with Horizon, yeah, I think it sounds interesting. Yeah, do I want to play the whole game? Probably not, especially after the reports that you said, which I'll. Yeah, I mean, I, I've given it a 7 out of 10. I think it's good. It just, I was, you'd hope this would be the thing that 
you know, they want this to blow people away. This is meant to sell this console because it is the big exclusive. It's, you know, it's. I know Horizon isn't everyone's favorite uh, PlayStation series, but it is one of their biggest selling. It is a landmark title. Like, and, you know, seeing these machines in VR, like, that's what this game does get right is the spectacle of it all. Like, the first time you're, like, standing next to a tall neck or something, you're mm. like, wow. Like, I know it's a stupid thing to say, but you're like, wow, that is big. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I suppose you get it, a true sense of it. Like, I suppose it has the element that Half Life Alex had mm. in that you've seen all of these things before in 2d in a traditional flat screen environment and now you are in that world like it was terrifying to come face to face with a head crab zombie in in Mm half-life alex so i imagine it has that similar sense of like awe-inspiring terror of coming up against a thunder jaw that's exactly that's when it's at its best like a thunder jaw you've mentioned it like the best sequence in the game for me is like this weird like cat and mouse not weird this uh it's a cat and mouse thunder jaw sequence where you're kind of chasing it it's chasing you and it ends in a big fight like i don't think that's spoilers say you fight a thunder during a horizon game but like that is the best stretch me because it does feel like for half of it you're in like jurassic park like and a t-rex is kind of looking for you and it's like breaking through walls and things are crumbling around like that's it at its best and the combat like i really love horizons combat i think it's like some of the best out there and they've really they've kind of boiled it down and really transitioned it well into vr like bow and arrows naturally i think do work well in vr especially Mm -hmm. with these two new controllers like hold it with one hand fire with the other like i think that feels much more natural than pretending you're holding a gun in vr for me because you're actually doing the action of pulling the bowstring back and aiming and it does feel really good like the combat sections are the best bits of this game which is a shame because for about 80 percent of this game it's effectively a climbing sim Right, which, and I wrote in my review, I wasn't na- I wasn't naive enough to think that a game called Call of the Mountain wouldn't involve some climbing because Horizon does involve climbing, but for like long stretches, game like almost all this game, it is climbing. Whether it's with like pickaxes into walls, whether it's climbing just cliffs for half an hour stretches, like it is a lot of climbing. And let me tell you, I because I was on a deadline, I had to finish this game, which is about six between six and seven hours i think to me like six and like my arms were nearly falling off by the end (laughs) (laughs) like yeah i don't do a lot of climbing in real life i never watched the documentary free solo and went yeah i'm gonna have a go at that it sounds to me obviously i've not played it but it sounds to me you know like those when 3d cinema was a thing Mm. and it was all like you know somebody turning around with a girder or something so it popped out the screen (laughs) It feels like, well, what's going to work well in in, yeah. in VR? It's like, well, climbing, so you experience well, that. It does work a... really. It does work really well, and it feels like you are actually climbing. Like it is all very good. It's just, it's quite monotonous, and I wanted but more. That's what of I a mean. Balance. Have, yeah. have that in there, but don't make it the primary thing that this yeah, game is. Like it, and it does like it is fully immersive. Like you're up at like I've been like I don't know how many hundreds of feet up, looking down, going. What am I doing? Because uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not terrible with heights, but like, I will put the disclaimer: if you suffer from vertigo, like this is not for you. Like you you will not have a good time. But um, yeah, I just wish it was a bit more balanced between like the second half is a lot better because there are a more a lot more of these like set piece moments. Like the story is kind of based around these like it's kind of a vehicle for the like spectacle it's not really don't expect like a new entry into like the horizon like lore or like a layered story you're getting very much 
climb, cool set piece with a massive monster, mm. something will happen, and you know, a fairly A to B story. But I did, I did enjoy it. It's just maybe it's because I had to cram it into two days, and I was like, I've got to get through this. That climbing nearly made my arms fall off. But um, yeah, I, I just don't think, and especially as we were discussing earlier, this is a sixty pound game. On top of what the five hundred, five hundred and fifty is it hmm. for the VR headset? Plus, if you don't own a PS5, another four hundred. Like, this isn't the system. I'm not going to tell people you've got to play this. It's worth effectively a thousand pounds. Because, as we'll talk about in a bit, there are a few other games, smaller games, which I've I've enjoyed more. I haven't had much time to spend with other games because I've been literally head first into into horizon but um well the one thing yeah. you've not really mentioned yet was how nauseous mm. it made you feel yeah i i wasn't with the original playstation vr and this one is definitely a step up like that original psvr kind of felt a little bit cheaper as this does mm. feel much more like a premium piece of kit and that did make me feel a little bit nauseous at times but i was mostly okay horizon i don't know what it is about it once I started playing with the movement settings, so it defaults to the gesture movement, which is you hold in two buttons on the controller and then you basically like feign a walking motion with your hands and you'll walk in that direction. You look like an absolute idiot, but it is a lot better on your stomach because it's a bit calmer and it's I don't it does it feels more like you moving, whereas the other option is just use the analog sticks to move and that because it's so independent from what you're doing, mm. that makes you feel a bit more ill quicker, if that's good grammar at all, which it isn't. Do, but, does um, it not have like a, a teleport mechanic? Because that's what most no. VR get. That's unusual, because most people that have motion sickness will opt to use the teleport, right? Mm. Because it means yeah. that you're always stationary, even well, though you can I think leap yourself because, forward. Like I said, 80% of this game is going up and down. Yeah. It kind of takes... That option would kind of be... I don't know, semi-pointless, but I think it's the up and the vertical nature of it that did make me feel a bit more ill than usual because that's the whole thing, and there are like elevators in this game and you slide down and stuff and you fall. Like It's that sensation of... It's not necessarily the sensation of going up and down, it's that, you know, when you're expecting your stomach to mm-hmm. move with your body and mm-hmm. nothing happens and you suddenly just come over a little bit like... Whoa. So I got to the point where... Any time I was in an elevator and I was reaching the top or bottom, I'd just close my eyes and wait for it to stop and then open them again. Because <laughs> I mean, then you. It's, 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 it? <laughs> it's only because. Like, I could play half an hour stretches and be fine. It's like I said, I was in an. Un- and most people go, okay, I'm done there for the day. I had a good time. It's because I've had to cram this into, mm. like, mm. effectively a day and a half of playing, which isn't ideal. But I shouldn't have gone to Amsterdam, should I? So. How long is it? Like six hours it took me roughly. Okay. And there's some that's just for the story. There's some extra stuff to do. Like there's some there's like hidden targets to hit with your arrows on each level. There's like rock cans to stack with your hands to a certain height to get them. There's also uh if you just want like if you've got someone who's not really like into gaming but you want them to experience it, there is this like five minute short safari mode where you basically just sit in a riverboat and watch all the like all the machines around you do their stuff so you just kind of sit there and watch that's quite pleasant uh but yeah that's kind of the combat and the spectacle of it all is very impressive yeah. but for the large parts it's just dragged down by this monotonous climbing which is a shame i think like yeah if it was more combat focused it could get it could be much more impressive i think but yeah it, i think and you were talking about matt earlier i think 
maybe it's something to do with some of the early PS, not the the early um, VR hits being was, climbing games. Yeah, I was literally about to say. So years ago, when I used to work at PC Games N, I can remember we had our first Oculus Rift kit mm. come in. And my housemate at the time, he was our hardware editor, so he was testing it. And I can remember him being in our living room playing uh, this climbing game. And at the time, I thought, wow, this is genuinely really impressive. And it comes from, it feels like it's leaning back on an era where in those early days of VR, games were built around a solo concept. It was like, you can do this, but in your living room. So you can go on safari in your living room. You can go underwater in your living room. You can climb a climbing wall or a mountain in your living room. But I feel that kind of like whilst Horizon obviously clearly has climbing in it, when I think of Horizon, I think of one of the biggest open world games ever made. Exactly. And an open world that has almost to its detriment so many things to do. Mm. And I feel that if you're buying a Horizon game that doesn't have so many things to do, particularly at full whack plus headset, I almost feel like I might feel slightly shortchanged, particularly if the box hasn't made it very clear that this is a game about climbing in the world of Horizon. Yeah, it's it's very much funneling you down these paths. And there are occasional where there's like a split path, it's like do you want to climb up this way or climb up that way? But mm-hmm. yeah, it's not by any means, yeah, this is not an open world game. It is. Right. It's not quite on rails, but mm-hmm. you know, it's you effectively go on, I think there's like maybe 11 to 12 missions, you have a hub base and you basically sure. go out on them and yeah. I can absolutely understand it not being open world because I don't think VR necessarily translates to open world very well. But for me, in my mind, if and obviously, you know, there's a lot of money that goes into this and presumably it didn't have the budget of a mainline Horizon game. But I would have liked to have seen something that's kind of closer to when I say Titanfall 2 in the idea that each mission would be a different taste of something that you've done yeah. in Main Horizon. So here's a mission around like fighting a Thunderjaw. Here's one that is climbing. Here's mm. one that might be like almost like a crafting game where you're actually building your new bow in well, like a that workshop. Is the, I haven't mentioned that. The crafting is very cool. Oh, you cool. do physically craft things hey. like that. So you craft like grappling hooks. Like mm-hmm. you have to manually like like yeah like do the rope around it and like attach bits. Like okay, and I'm each into arrow. That. You, you manually craft each like f- elemental arrow like those bits are it does really they've done a great job at like making you feel like you're t- doing tangible things mm-hmm. as well like you're picking up items like even like your to get your health back your health is displayed on your wrist um like half-life alex did i believe mm-hmm. i'm yet to play half-life alex but and then to restore your health you basically have to find apples or fruit around the world pick them up and effect- put them towards your mouth and it will restore your health like it's all, they've done a very good job at like basically not having ui and yeah right it's it's like it is a technical showcase it is a spectacle at times it's just maybe it's personal taste i wish it wasn't 70% to 80% a climbing mm-hmm. game but yeah and the headset itself doesn't come with any sort of demos to showkase no, I, it's I, I, I might have said this before. I think it's absolutely mad. There's not an Astrobot game. Yeah. Like, where is that? Like, that was the best thing on the original PSVR. It was the thing that when everyone bought a PS5, booted up and was like, "This is amazing. Mm. Like, we want more of this." Like, I don't know because like there are these new controllers which are very good for the PSVR. I will say, in recent Sony tradition, they last maybe two hours before draining. So like. Right. You have to keep charging them a lot. But, um, yeah, it's just... There's not a lot, like... Especially as the original PSVR library doesn't transition over. Like, a few like third-party games are offering free upgrades, I think. 
but like there's not a lot apart from horizon i haven't had a chance to play gran turismo yet apparently it's very impressive but if you're not into you know driving games if you're not into driving games you know it's not gonna be anything different is it I have been playing What the Bat, which came out on Oculus, I believe, at the end of last year. That's very fun. I don't know if anyone here played What the Golf. It was an Apple Arcade game. Yeah. it's really, I, I love that game. And What the Bat is effectively a VR game where your, baseball, uh, your hands are baseball bats. And you, you know the challenges get increasingly more silly. That's really fun. I'm having a good time. Tetris Connect is still incredible in VR. Um, I've just had a nice little time kayaking around Costa Rica. That was pleasant. Basically, I've learned. I think the VR games for me are the ones where you're either sitting in somewhere or you're stationary and things happening around you, and you're not necessarily climbing <laughs> five hundred foot mountains. You're a lazy VR player. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> saying that. A I mean, I got simulator. <laughs> like you know, I I got I, I did have a good time, and okay. yeah, I just wanted. I don't know. I want. I I I know. I like Horizon more than most people. Like I, I really, really liked Food and West, and I kind of wanted more of that. And what I actually got was something a lot less, yeah. but still, still good. And but yeah, I don't think I could hand on heart say, "Wow, you've got to pay a thousand pounds to play no. this six-hour game." <laughs> it will be interesting to see what Sony does because obviously, if you look at their first-party lineup, they've got some amazing games. Yeah, but are they going to invest in that? Like, would we see some kind of God of War VR experience? Exactly. Well, I put a poll. I'd, I'd be interested to see the results because I put a poll in my review saying, like, I think I put God of War, Last of Us, Uncharted, Spider Man, and Ghost of Tsushima. Like, which one of these would you most like to see in VR? Yeah. For me, it's not my favorite of those, but Ghost of Tsushima with sword combat mm. would actually work quite well. I think. Um, again, because so many like. Sony games are either open world or like expansive, like open, you know, levels now. It's hard. Like, I think they're always going to kind of feel like in VR, they're kind of a pared down version of what yeah. you're going to get. Like, they almost have to. It's very difficult. I mean, Astrobot did it well, but almost create a new franchise in VR. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how many people are going to buy this thing. I just no. don't know if the appetite for VR is actually there. The other thing I think you've got is that I. Call of the Mountain feels like what I would consider like the, these VR experiential sort of things, where mm. it's kind of like it's it's an arcade game to a certain degree. It's something that you kind of play once and you don't necessarily fully invest mm. in. And I only have very limited kind of experience with VR, but like so far, Half Life Alex is the only VR game I've played that feels like a genuine video game right. that yeah. was like you know almost twenty hours long. It got a story, it got bespoke mechanics that felt really good, but it didn't feel like I was popping in to do something that was kind of like you're getting to do something that you wouldn't you know you're doing bungee jumps yeah. or or you know under the sea. And I think a lot of Sony's VR games have felt like their experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Astrobot. Yeah, like we said, Astrobot felt like a game. Even the um, Arkham game that was very much a Batman experience. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a game, really. Yeah. Like, I know what you mean. I'd like. I'm trying to think what other. I don't know. It's tough. I just don't know if. I th- I do think VR is cool, and I like jumping every now and then. But is it? Do Do we want it? I don't know. <laughs> like, do we need it? 
I don't know. Maybe that's what will happen with it, though. It will become the sort of thing that you see in shopping malls and Mm -hmm. PSVR 2 headsets and stuff like that. Because, you know, if you pay five quid to have a go and then you've got what you've won out of it, okay, done. There are some things I would like to check out that I haven't had the chance yet just because I don't have them. Obviously, I mean, it's not personally for me, but Resi 4 remake in VR, Resi Village in VR probably will be they'll be full games they could be very good mm-hmm. i do want to try no man's sky in vr because i do like no man's sky and i imagine that could be quite impressive at times yeah um so there are games i'm not saying there's not games there but i don't know i think a lot you know you can see in a lot of the marketing a lot of hopes were pinned on horizon and it's good it's just not it's just not a system seller is it yeah but yeah there we go that's uh I'll probably talk more about VR next week when uh, maybe some other people can have a go of it as well and see what they think. I definitely want yeah. to try it out, but like I say, it feels like I'll play it and go, that was fun, and then yeah. never want to do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've also, as people probably here, had a bit of a cold this week. So when you're trying to uh, cram a six-hour VR game uh, with a cold, you don't want that headset on for long. So I'll make sure I give it a wipe down. Give it a really good wipe down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're okay. It's like being at a convention, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we are now just over halfway through the Last of Us TV series, so we thought we'd have a little drop-in, see how people are feeling about it. Me and Matt, we can disclose, I think, we've seen it all. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, ooh, I for haven't. Work. <laughs> for work. Um, I know, but a little humble brag there. Oh, I, I did that weeks ago when I said I reviewed the whole thing. I've already... You King know, of the humble brag. It's not brags. so a humble brag once you do it more than once, is it? Um... You're watching it weekly, though, aren't you? Al? I'm You're watching it like the real people, yes. Oh, yeah. So, but I think it's safe to say we're all very much enjoying it. I really, really enjoy it. It's like, it's been a while since when I wake up on a Monday morning, I'm like, that's, I've got that mm-hmm. show to come. And so it's like, right, kids, off to school, half eight, they're there. I'm back home by like that 25 to nine, pop it on before we meet at 10. What a way to start the week. Yeah, what what a, what a, what a happy go lucky uh, TV show to pop up on a Monday morning. Um, we're gonna. Oh, can we? How do we go about spoilers of this? It's a it's an old story. Look, it's so far there's been very little. If if you've not played the game, then well, unfortunately, but everything in there is very much in line with what yeah. the game is about. Apart from episode three, which is personally a standout for me. Yeah. I know it is for a lot of people. Um, beautifully done but um also this past week's episode episode five is another standout one i think as well it's just I th- they do such a good job and the game does as well but like the show has even less time to get you attached to these characters that they rip apart from you mm. and you you still manage to feel that loss within like what 40 minutes of knowing them like i don't quite know how they do it. it's probably largely down to the performances which i think are all like top notch but yeah, what Matt? What what struck you about it? Um, are we talking specifically episode five or the five? I think episodes just up so to far? five. Yeah. So yeah. Far. So um, in terms of kind of like a faithful adaptation that's not slavish to the kind of source material, and there are certainly episodes across the full nine that me and you have watched, Cardi, mm. that are very much like it's just watching the the game in live action. But I think when it does take its kind of turns, it does so really thoughtfully in a way that it almost feels like Druckmann, because obviously he's actively involved in this, being able to go like, hey, here's an idea that I had that never made it into the game. Mm. 
And now we can expand on that because we're in a different medium that allows us more time to focus purely on story than it does on um, on kind of like shooting and, and crafting and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, we kind of laid out the first time we spoke about it, how like tonally rich it is uh, and it like it really grabs what, what the game does. Uh, and I think episode five for me is my personal standout. Like I really do like episode three. I think it's very, very strong. But I think for telling you everything about what The Last of Us is, mm-hmm. I think what Episode 5 did, there's elements of the second game kind of seeping back into it, which you put in yeah. your review, Cardi, like these ideas of people that get caught up so much in vengeance, they create cycles of violence that absolutely destroy the people and communities they're with. I think they are actively kind of, yeah, getting people ready for Season 2, so it's not so much of a... Mm-hmm. It's not really a tonal shift, but it is a different... Focus story, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. also, there's you know, kind of like I, I am not one of these people that are complaining that the zombie show doesn't have enough zombies in it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a bananas kind of perspective because it is a, it's not a show about zombies. It's a show of the Last of Us. It's the last people, in, you know, that are in civilization, right? Um, but um, I, I really liked what they did with kind of the runners and the clickers and, and, yeah. and the stuff that they had at the end of episode five, which maybe I'll leave it that vague for people that haven't quite yeah. got there yet. But yeah, I and I think any like, and I know there's a lot of bad faith um, arguments, but like anyone who had any doubts about Pedro Pascal or Bella Ramsey as Joel Nanny, I think by now surely those those doubts have gone. Mm-hmm. If you if if you're a reasonably minded person, I think. Yeah. Uh, I must yeah. say, I like I like Joel's character in the game more than I do Pedro Pascal's mm-hmm. version. He's he's a more mellow version of Joel, I think. Like, I don't think he's got the... It, it's very clear throughout The Last of Us, particularly after you get past the first few hours of the game, there's something about Joel that's not right. right? Troy Baker, <laughs> I think, naturally... I'm not saying he's a nasty person, but he mm-hmm. can do... He has a nastier edge to his performances that maybe Pe- yeah. Petro Pascal is a softer character, I think. Mm-hmm. And I and I do think kind of like uh, part of the aim of this being like a, a revision version of The Last of Us is to give a different perspective on Joel as a character and mm. to consider his position in the world and his position with Ellie slightly differently. And I don't think that necessarily means that uh, it's a worse version, but I do like the harder edged kind of... I like it as a reflection on the shitness of humanity that Joel provides in the game. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind that that's not here, but um, like that's it. But in terms of uh, Ellie to Ellie, um, I think Bella Ramsey is every bit as good as what Ashley Johnson was in the original games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just very good. I'm just now... I mean, probably I'm thinking ahead because I have seen it all. Uh, like, what they are going to do with part two, don't you? I'm very intrigued. But even so, the stuff that I really like about it, and I'm so I'm watching it on my own. I watched the first episode with my wife, uh, and then obviously when the infected came out, she was like, "I don't want to watch this." And I was like, "It's <laughs> not really about that," but mm-hmm. still, she didn't want to watch it anymore. But like, I love the bits that are so obviously taken from the game in terms of the shot angles and the mm-hmm. way it plays out. So in the first one episode, it's obviously you know, driving in the car through the city. What else was there? There's the older museum, obviously. But even like the most recent episode with the sniper stuff. Yeah. Because that's such a specific mission. And, you know, I remember kind of doing all that. And I thought they handled it brilliantly. But I do wonder, if you're not familiar with the game, do you look at that and go, that looks like a game? Or whether it feels out of place. Like I've 
I've listened to a couple podcasts where it's people uh, watching the show that haven't played the game, mm. and they are really enjoying it. But yeah, it's times they are kind of second guessing, like kind of wrong, like what's in the game and what isn't. Yeah, like there's things like yeah, like they're thinking, oh, this seems like a puzzle that you do in a video game. So I actually know that bit was completely wrong yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Like yeah, I don't. They, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. I think my. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, even in episode three, when you get the invaders, obviously mm. that's not in the game. But it yeah. feels exactly like it could be in the game, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I think is genius in that respect. It feels super authentic to, well, both things work in harmony. I think it all comes down to, um, I think, and I've written about some, something about this that I think will go up like fairly soon on the site, but I think it's, the whole thing is testament to Naughty Dog and that their storytelling has hit that point where they've obviously had ambitions to become cinematic style storytellers for a long, long time going back to the first Uncharted. And The Last of Us kind of like in 2013 kind of marked this point where they kind of, it felt to us as people that were playing games that they cracked this kind of prestige storytelling. And I think the fact that you can just take entire sequences out of it and just render it live action, just give a bunch of actors the same stage instructions as... Troy and Ashley had for on green screen and in motion capture and it just works in yeah. and it feels like prestige tv and there's not a huge amount of change made to it at all it's minuscule alterations to make it work for the screen and I think that just shows you know kind of the age-old argument of like our games are you know like prestige art at this point it's like well you know not all of them are designed to be some are designed to just be shooters but the ones that are chasing that narrative kind of bent some people are genuinely getting there where it's just like you just throw it on screen and it works as a TV show and no one cares. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. They're doing a brilliant job. And do you know what? Still got a few weeks left of some great stuff as well. Well, that's it. Like knowing what's coming up, I'm really interested to sort of see some of the, like, what my favourite bits from the game in the first game. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens. Some of the really horrible bits, those are your favourite bits. <laughs> well, so, like, because again, I, I watched the first episode with my daughter as well. And then I thought about some of the stuff that's coming up and was like, yeah, maybe not. So uh, yeah, we, yeah. We I, it's it. not a family-friendly show, is it? Uh, there, no. There we go. Yeah, good stuff. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Last of Us is good. Give it a watch if <laughs> yes. you're not. The Last of Us isn't the only post-apocalypse thing, though, is it? There's a load of it around now. You can you know, engage in any sort of misery you want. No, not every post-apocalypse is miserable, but you know, some of them you can have a laugh with. Uh, We've picked out a couple of our favourites each. We're going to quickly uh, talk about some of them. Will be obvious, I'm sure, uh, Al. But uh, some of them might not be so obvious. Yeah, I don't you're, know. You're just rude. You're 
So, so the problem I've got is that I didn't. I haven't actually played that many post-apocalyptic games. I haven't yeah. played Fallout. I haven't played uh, Days Gone. That's the only yeah, other yeah. one that comes to mind. But I have played probably the best uh, post-apocalyptic game in the world, and that is Zelda Breath of the Wild. The thing I love about Zelda Breath of the Wild is that it is the best game, whether it's post-apocalyptic, <laughs> whether it's... It's a sports so game. It covers, go, it covers anything for it you. It covers anything. It, yeah. And it's and so, you know, it's an easy win. I'm, I'm, as you say, obvious in that respect. Yeah. I so mean, it's yeah. set 100 years after the uh, apocalypse, uh, and maybe that does mean it is post-apocalypse. Then, well, exactly, yeah. but but to the point now where actually life has become quite nice for a lot of the people. <laughs> is it nice? Is it nice? Well, you've just got this little bit in the middle where Ganon is. If I you suppose, it, yeah, if you ignore got... that, then yes, it is nice. If you ignore looming disaster, much like much like we do as a human race, then you can have a <laughs> lovely time. <laughs> you could spend your entire world, your entire time in that game, not going into the center of the map and live a happy life. Yeah, or you can do exactly what I did and not do 80% of the game and go straight into the middle of it and finish it and then actually realise you probably haven't played the game like you should have. Maybe this no. is why that you don't like it as much as so many yeah, other people I do. Yeah, I do need to replay it properly. How I mean, many... I still put a lot of... Did hours. you do all the Divine Beasts? Yeah, I did all the Divine... I did all okay. four Divine Beasts. I, I did a lot of the game. I just... The main thing is I never got the Master Sword. So. Oh, you... Fool. You didn't get the Master Sword in a game that, like, like the part of the core quest of Zelda is to get the Master Sword. I saw it as defeat Ganon, and I did. So, there so we go. did you get the Hillian Shield? I can't remember. It's a long time. That's I, not as obvious to find, but it's yeah, worth probably doing. not. You have to go poking around the castle for it. I do you? need to replay it, but I'm not going to do that now with a new one in three months, am I? So. It's the perfect time to do exactly got, that. But I've got—I barely have time to play a game I want because I've got. To You've play got a flight to, to the US coming up. Yeah, and I've also got Persona Four to replay. Oh my god! Which is a better game? Oh, <laughs> Jesus! Look. Anyway, I will stand by that. Um, That's my first pick. Go. Yeah, well, well, give, give give us one more. We'll do a couple each. What? Uh, these can don't have to be games. They can be films, books, TV well, shows. You, the recurring theme in all of mine, or most of mine, is that they're happy post-apocalyptic things. Okay. And so, Waterworld is my second choice. Is it happy? Is well, it? It's, it's but it's not super miserable like The Last of Us or things if like that. If you're not a strong swimmer, it's not a happy place. Well, there's boats and there's That's you know true. there's big like forts on water and or you could just be a smoker like dennis hopper yeah. and go around on a big cruiser famously the most expensive film ever made at the time yeah um, and it didn't recoup its money apparently i think it i think it might have in the end uh well maybe in the end but it took a long time i i was looking this morning uh it yeah. cost 175 million to make i i have a soft spot for this film but i think yeah it's mainly born out of being what like a young child and being up, able to stay up late and watch it and thinking this is amazing there's like jet skis everywhere and yeah, yeah. I think um, yeah and I, it lives on because of the universal behind the scenes show um, I know is, Matt you've you've seen that yeah it's the only way I, I've never seen the Waterworld film but I've, I have <laughs> seen the Waterworld experience at Universal which was really cool like I thought it, I had it a probably wicked time with it yeah. Would you go back and watch Waterworld, the film, considering it's quite easy to do that compared to going across to the US and this, this <laughs> seeing the experience? Uh, to, to be quite honest, like, like, I'll pretty much give anything a shot, so I probably will watch Waterworld at some point in my life. It's you not, too. It's, it's just not... It's just... Because, like, Costner was, like, the hottest actor in the world, mm -hmm. you know? Like, he was on this hot streak, and then this happened, and it wasn't great. 
It's uh, there's some fun to be found. It's really cheesy. But, You've got yeah. a flight to the US coming up too. What exactly. a perfect way to spend that flight. But I am Water probably going to play Zelda on that flight. Oh, there you go. That's my yeah, own. Waterworld is better than Zelda. <laughs> Two very different experiences. <laughs> exactly. Um, Matt, I know we actually share one here. So should we both talk about how good Station Eleven is? We can um, do. From two different I've only ever watched the TV show. Mm-hmm. Whereas you've watched the book as watched the book, watched the, read the book. Wow, wow! I was I, I just opened the book and put it on a shelf and just exactly. looked at it. It's incredible. Cardi doesn't um, like books either. It's another HBO uh, post-apocalyptic drama, uh, but very different to The Last mm-hmm. of Us. Um, although it does kind of feature, you know, uh, a man looking after a young girl for for portions of it, but it's not anywhere near as dark it does have darkness in there but it has a lot more uh, hope and joy to be found i think it's fundamentally about this group of traveling actors who go across a post-pandemic america 20 years after that uh flu outbreak and it's about them kind of bringing joy to a world but that isn't without you know there's going to be obstacles on the way there's darkness to be found but i think ultimately it is a very hopeful show, and do you know what? A very beautiful one, mm-hmm. also. Definitely a show about an and a book about the human experience and about how yeah. kind of like, you know, very much like The Last of Us is about people being tested by their environments and, and how kind of like society collapses, you know, puts us all through the ringer. But as you say, I think the Station Eleven, both book and TV show, is, has I guess a slightly more realistic depiction and because there's not zombies all over the place there's not that constant pressure so it is people learning how to live after and finding kind of like new meaning in life because the you know everything's gone so you have to find new meaning and yeah so throughout that like the hardships are really interesting but i think it's the relationships that build and those bonds and the kind of like finding more to live for is kind of what's interesting yeah it's just the way i kind of when i was watching it i was like this is almost like a really long fallout side quest like mm-hmm. you stumble across like this side story of these doomed or not doomed people sometimes and yeah it's just i i really really like it just amazing performances really well written um yeah if you haven't checked it out it's not too easy to watch i think in the uk you need to kind of hunt it down which is weird for an hbo show mm-hmm. um but and i yeah, know definitely do that. i know like we've had a few uh listeners actually send in emails over the last year or so uh, mentioning that they've seen Station Eleven, which is great. Um, if you've seen it but you've not read the book, I do recommend reading the book. First time I watched the series, I found it a little bit difficult to get on with because it wasn't exactly the same as a book that is one of my favourites. Mm-hmm. But over time, I've realised that they are, are excellent companion pieces to each other. But like yeah. the book has interesting new things to experience if you've not read it. Definitely check it out. Uh I'm gonna. I've got. You know, I'm gonna shout out some a couple of things very quickly. Near Automata, very good game. Um, if you like robots, you'll love this. Um, just kind of just genius. I got to it late. Only played it for the first time what two years ago. Uh, and just, I mean, people talk about the music to no end, and that's deserved. But like the actual just gameplay of it, I really love the mech stuff, the basic stuff that turns it into a bit of a shmup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love those sections and the way it just. You have to play through this game, what, three times to get to the true ending. And that third run where it all just starts coming together, you've got these hacking mini games, the melee combat, the mech sections, the way, especially that last level or two, the way it changes it up, like, every five to ten seconds what you're doing. Like, I've not experienced, like, such a fun end to a game that I was just like, 
yeah, blown away by, uh, frankly, the end of that game. A fun end to a game that is, again, fundamentally about decoding the human experience via robots, mm-hmm. an ending that will probably make you teary, if not cry, and yet is done in such a remarkably weird arcade way that like really fulfilling in, in so many different aspects. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, I would, dare I, I say it, a masterpiece. Close to, if not. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm going to shout out three films very quickly. One, The Road. Also, The Book of the Road, which is slightly, even pro- slightly <laughs> darker than the film. Cormac McCarthy is one of my favourite writers. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't like people describing things a lot, you might not like it. But as if you've ever read any of my stuff, you probably know I like describing things quite a bit. So uh, that's how I write what you like to read, which, uh, yeah, I'm, you probably shouldn't write game reviews in the style of Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> but there you go. Um, the Road. Yeah. Amazing film as well as a book. Also, I'm going to go with 12 Monkeys, just because it's one that people might not have watched as much. It's kind of post-apocalypse slash time travel slash kind of puzzle box thriller. It's just by Terry Gilliam. If you haven't watched it, I'd recommend. Uh, Bruce Willis is actually very good in that film. And my last one, shout out to Wally. Good good. fun. That's a fair point. Yeah, it's a good film. Yeah, I haven't watched Wally in too long, Um, but I, I love that little guy. Wally or Waterworld? Which one are you going to go for? Well, Wally is a better film than Waterworld, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, Maybe. I, um, I recently got him. I say recently, a year ago, got him in my Disney Dreamlight Village, uh, and he made, he made a little farm, little patch of carrots for me. Not very nice. Good young man, Wally. Great. <laughs> yeah, I refuse to say Wally. I just Wally, just Wally. All right. Yeah, um, Matt, what, what have you got for us? Uh, for a game, uh, Metro Exodus, like a genuinely very, very good, immersive, kind of rusty apocalypse, like HD Fallout in many ways, um, kind of got, uh, like, built, kind of builds on the very kind of heavy story and immersive elements of kind of games like Half-Life 2, but also um, the development, this Ukrainian development team have got their roots in the Stalker series. So it has a lot of that hardcore, almost immersive sim, kind of, you know, stealth versus action, being able to make all like the individual fiddly bits on your guns do different things and stuff like that. Uh, that's very good. And Exodus has, you're on a train that runs through kind of like lots of small versions of open worlds. And it's very good at kind of like providing different gameplay opportunities in each of those. Uh, and then some other quick recommendations for another book, uh, the Silo series, which starts with Wall. Uh, that's effectively a kind of slightly more realistic uh, Fallout. Well, it's going to be a TV show on Apple this year uh, with Rebecca really? Ferguson as the main character. Um, Very good. The first book is exceptional, um, which mm. is what they'll be drawing from. But that's essentially about people post-nuclear disaster or seemingly nuclear disaster living in giant what they call silos but imagine like the the bunkers from the vaults from uh fallout and people having to live in in this giant kind of like 150 story deep kind of silo and and how all of that comes together and about obviously the exploration of the surface uh and then my other one is planet of the apes (laughs) good film the original so or the new one well too. broadly as a thing like i've got a real soft spot for the original kind of 70s and early 80s ones mm-hmm. me too well and late it starts late 60s right the original yeah. one is 67 but the burton it? one is your favorite no no the burton one i love the makeup <laughs> effects in the burton one but everything else i i care less for but my main thing would be like like the two matt reeves ones like i do like um 
Is it Dawn of the Planet of the Apes or Rise of the Planet of the Apes? Oh, I always the first forget one. what. Is uh, it Dawn Rise War? Or Rise, Rise Dawn, Dawn War. War? Rise yeah. Dawn War. But the t- yeah. I think all of them are very good, but I think the two ones that Matt Reeves did, the latter two, you know, that leads yeah. up to war, I think are very genuinely good. exceptional. Mm. Yeah, so good. There we go. Why don't you let us know what your um, favourite post-apocalypse things are? IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. There's a lot of them out there. And you know what? Most of them are pretty good, I'd say. Uh, There you go. People like to to dwell in the misery of it all, I suppose. Um, Speaking of feedback, we've got some feedback. I think first up, you've got one, Matt. Yeah, this is from Nick Harrington Lewis, who says, Hello, short to medium term listener. More on that in a bit. And a first time writer. On the subject of remakes, which we were discussing on a podcast a few weeks ago, uh, there is only one outstanding candidate, in my opinion, the original Deus Ex. I still play it pretty much yearly, as it's the first game I can remember that gave me pretty much an open level and let me complete it however I wanted. It was packed with hidden areas, different ways to approach objectives, and the dystopian sci-fi story about big industry and government colluding in horrifying ways was incredible to a 15 and 16 year old 15 to 16 year old me. It would need the full remake treatment as mechanically it hasn't aged brilliantly, but I still feel there's something there that was never quite captured in the modern games. Hopefully the missing ingredient isn't just my nostalgia. Now, on to my second point. Obviously you'd have to be an idiot not to respect the sea. However, as someone that's been listening for less than a couple of years, can you explain to a relative noob why everyone signs off their feedback with this pretty uh, obviously but very rarely openly stated outside the podcast way? Thanks, Nick from West London. Where, what do we address first? Uh, so let's, let's do respect the sea and then we can talk. Um, it's probably like three or four years ago now. I don't even know how it started, but... There is a drowning drowning special. special. Yeah, but it's before that, I think, because about a year before that, we asked for people's uh, stories of when they nearly drowned, but preferably funny ones. And we surprisingly got too many, like dozens. So, um, yeah, if you haven't listened to the drowning special and the sandwich special in particular, listen to those. But, um, yeah, Respect the Sea is just, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory, Respect the Sea, um, because it will take you away. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, not much more to it. The, you call it quite bemused there, Al. Well, I, I, to be honest, I wasn't really involved in those episodes either, and so it kind of passed me by. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's something that stuck. I but almost you do agree, though. I, yeah. I do. I almost drowned when I was younger. I lived. By really? The sea. Have we heard yeah. this story? Well, you've, you've got to tell us now. Well, it's not not much to tell. I so I didn't learn to swim till very late. We lived by the sea, yeah, and. Um, uh, I was messing around with my mates and a wave came back, hit my feet and then just pulled me out. And I was like, oh, and then thankfully, well, obviously it felt like an eternity that I was under. And he just like pulled me back out, out of the water because I just, the waves were just kept, kept on pulling yeah, my feet yeah. away from under me. That sounds so, terrifying. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure when I was like young, I mistakenly went into the deep end of the pool and wasn't, yeah, wasn't quite a good swimmer at that point when I was that little. But yeah, yeah. I was probably there for like three seconds, but I know what you feel. It feels like a minute. Yeah. But, well, yeah. and, and yeah, just sheer panic. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but Matt, I'm sure you'd like, I mean, you're a big Deus Ex fan. Mm-hmm. A full remake does actually... Now it's been said, that sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I um, So I actually have, uh, I think within the overall Deus Ex fandom, like more than typical uh, love for the new ones. Like I adore uh, Human Revolution and Mankind Divided. 
Um, possibly to the point where, like, I think I might like them a little bit more than the original Deus Ex, but the original Deus Ex is a better immersive sim, let's say, in that because it, it's yeah. such a purebred because of where it was from. So the idea of kind of finding the, like, giving that modern treatment to that version of what Deus Ex is and maybe kind of finding a slightly better way to filter its very matrix influence kind of like you know classic early 2000s cyberpunk very leather jackets lots of blue um mm-hmm. i think finding a way to kind of like give that art style the unique spin that the the modern games have um no, i'm not yeah. saying turn it orange but just find a, a, a nicer version <laughs> of that but yeah kind of like the idea of a modernized version of deus ex that doesn't sacrifice on what made deus ex originally so good is yeah. literally music to my ears. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played the original Deus Ex in probably well over 15 years. I have been thinking about it, but it definitely is dated, even when you look at it somewhat. I'm sure it still plays enjoyably. You, you can but, you, know. you can get quite a lot of good mod packs now that kind of like, you know, it doesn't, as I say, doesn't really sacrifice anything that it had, but it just makes it a little bit more tolerable because, yes, it's quite fiddly and it's quite unforgiving if you put your points into the wrong things. Like, if you accidentally put points into swimming... They ain't going to be useful at any point in the entire well, game, basically. It might if he almost drowned. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, I have, God, got a blocked nose. And I've also got an email here from Alex Cole, who says, Hi, IGN UK crew. Long-time listener, and apologies for the small novel below. It's not it's only a couple of paragraphs, you're fine. Here we go. Me and my girlfriend have recently returned from spending six weeks travelling across America in a camper van, starting in Florida and finishing in California. You guys kept us company while driving across the thousands of miles. My girlfriend turned her nose up at the podcast at first. I, I cannot blame her there. But by the end, she was joining in the endless search and shouting out the answers in frustration. In this trip, I encountered one of the strangest, brec- uh, strangest breakfast menu items I've ever seen and had to order it. Fried chicken and waffles, which, yeah, that's, you know, that's standard, but topped with Eggs Benedict, served with a jug of maple syrup. Surprisingly not terrible, apart from the eggy, syrupy waffles at the bottom. Yeah, I'm, I don't need egg and syrup mixing, personally. Um, so those yanks taking the piss out of Weetabix can <laughs> do one. <laughs> there we go. Across the trip, we went to many locations that instantly took me to a film or video game I had played. New Orleans and Louisiana remind me of the slightly underrated Mafia 3. West Texas and Big Bend National Park was straight out of Red Dead Redemption. And LA was like a fever dream, as I was constantly saying, this is just the same as GTA 5. Are there any places when you visit for the first time that took you straight into a video game? Thanks for doing a great job, and as always, respect the sea. Um, yeah, I don't need... I mean, I'm not a big eggs fan in the first place, but egg with syrup? No, thanks. I'm I'm not massively into the breakfast thing in America of kind of pairing very, very savoury things with very, very sweet things. And just massive breakfast. Like, I barely eat breakfast as it is, but the thought of having fried chicken for breakfast. (laughs) Oh, actually, I I could do that. (laughs) I think I could eat fried chicken any time of the day, but I'm not a particularly uh, breakfasty person. But, like... Eggs Benedict means you're getting hollandaise, hollandaise mixed with maple syrup. Yeah, no thanks. As I say, there the, the, there is like a cultural thing in America of very very sweet and very very savoury yeah, breakfast, not... and it it doesn't work for me. The pancakes yeah. and bacon thing doesn't work for me, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. Do you know what? I I didn't finish Mafia Three. I had a decent time with it. It's it's it's, it's all right. It's just not what 
uh, one and two was, I think. But there we go. Um, anywhere I've been. I had the opposite. I think I may have spoken this in the past, like the first time I went to San Francisco, then like a couple of weeks later I played Watch Dogs 2 for the first time and I knew exactly where I was going. It was quite fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's more the opposite of that. Like, like it, it, It's the obvious answer, isn't it? But with GTA 5, like I went to to LA three years after I played GTA 5. I first went to LA in 2016. And I just couldn't believe like how close it was like just going down streets and like oh even the road surface has been captured in the game um the other one i've got is um so obviously like i'd been to london several times uh before i worked here but um like you know for this job is the first time i've lived in london but unfortunately we had a pandemic kick off less than a year after i'd been here which meant that like quite a lot of my exploration of London during my time here was actually through Watch Dogs Legion. <laughs> um, and so I've learned quite a lot of the city through Legion in that kind of like sometimes I'll get off at a tube stop and momentarily not know where I am and then realize the reason why I am able to navigate from there is because I know where I have been in Watch Dogs rather than like, yeah. you know, in, in real life. So I've got a better knowledge of London via a video game that I played through Pandemic than I do of actually living in the city. Oh, I'll, I'll, do you know what? I'll, I'll take you around one day. We'll see all the sites. <laughs> um, uh, we can do it on one of those um, remote control um, drone cleaners. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Uh, we've got one last email, Alex. Uh, so the last piece of feedback is from Adam Weston, who says, after hearing about the Mel- Melbournean man who loves his Weetabix, I also had to write in. I have been eating... 20 Weetabix for breakfast for a while now. All with milk warmed up in the microwave. With, How big's with the a bowl? bit of peanut butter, <laughs> cinnamon, protein powder for that chocolatey taste. Honest to God. I, that's got to be 20. a typo. Like, I have two, three if I'm really hungry. It can't hungry. be 20. Like, that's, that's like... As a, an entire a, box, isn't Adam it? Adam Weston. <laughs> You're eating a box kind of, of Weetabix. Psychopath, are you? Um, that must be like 10 microwave trips. So I th- it's got to be I, a well, time. So it's it's got to be so two. He continues. And if it was two... Unless he means Weetabix mini. He says, it's often been a talking point amongst friends, family and colleagues, which if it was two, it wouldn't be. Because that's like, well, well I done. I wouldn't be telling anyone about it. Uh, so he's kind of used to talking about it. Um, but he used to find it a bit embarrassing. I just, I, I literally cannot compute it. I tell you, Hold on. you must be very regular on the toilet, as I'll say, because that's a lot of, lot of fiber. I uh, just, I'm just gonna, I'm going on Tesco now. How much? You can get like is, massive forty-eight ones, can't how you? How much? Yeah, but how much is wheat? So Weetabix, a twenty-four pack of Weetabix is three pound twenty-five <laughs> retail you can't from Tesco. Eat that every day, that every day, unless. Are you in the one percent? Well, he must be a man mountain, <laughs> surely. Anyway, okay. like, um, would you sign it off with what's something that you love but find a little embarrassing to talk about? Uh, well, I'm not going to talk about. I mean, <laughs> oh, do you know what? I already watched the five new episodes of You on Netflix. One of the worst still continues to be not good. Although this season slightly better, it has an interesting hook to it, I- but. It's not I, good. Like it's a. I don't have many guilty pleasures, but that's I couldn't them. believe that it's up to a fourth season. I saw it pop up on Netflix, and I was like, "Oh my god!" People, wow. it, everyone watches it. Apparently, do you know what? It's it's got its look. Despite me saying it's bad, it has its hooks in me, okay. and I don't know why. But yeah, 
There we go. It's no water world. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I don't have 20 Weetabix. No. I, I don't I, think... Do you know what? I'd quite like to have picture evidence of that. Because it must be he eats it in a bucket or something like that. <laughs> washing it's, quite, it's quite filling. Like like I said, like I haven't had wheat bits in a while, but when I was younger, it would be yeah, two of the biscuits with some milk, heat it up. And that was a decent sized bowl. Yeah. I mean yeah. there are 136 calories per <laughs> two biscuits. Like that's like a, a whole day's <laughs> worth of calories in a, I can in a only must be a body Are you a professional well, bodybuilder? You know, yeah, see, you yeah. know. With the protein yeah, powder, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And the peanut butter, yeah. I'm gonna guess, wow. but yeah, I'm intrigued nonetheless. Yeah, there can anybody else beat twenty Weetabix a day for breakfast? Because if you can, <laughs> then I don't know what the hell we're doing on this planet. Yeah, what's the biggest meal you've ever had? I tell you what, though, I just want he's to... going to struggle in the if the apocalypse comes around because he's not going to he's going to run out of Weetabix very quickly. <laughs> very quickly, yeah, stuck up. Um, cool. Uh, I suppose we need some music for the end. We'll pick something. I'll pick something. Right. But do you know what? It's been a lovely chat about all things Weetabix and post-apocalypse. So, there we go. Thanks for spending the last uh, hour of our lives with me. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I think everyone enjoyed it. I'm going to try and de-snot oh, my nose. But lovely. Delightful. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I'll see you later. Bye! Yeah, goodbye! Bye! We are the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. I'm Yen, a reader, writer, liver, and breather of comic books. And I'm Nat, and I know absolutely nothing about comics. Which makes both of us authorities in our respective fields. Exactly. Hey, wait. On Comic Sans, I make Nat read some of my favorite comics, including Sandman, Saga, and Lore Olympus. And Yen tells me what makes that comic special. Then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. Listen to Comic Sans on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can already binge our first season, and we just released a special bonus episode on Across the Spider-Verse. Hey, Nat, before we go, I'll give you 50 bucks if you can tell me what Comic-Con is. Is it related to Chili Con Carn? Do you mean chili con carne? Maybe we should be chili sands.